I am a podcaster, an audio engineer, and a business owner. I'm also interested in your story. We're interested in your story. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast, where I help to tell stories of greatness from the perspectives of blackness. I interview entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs authors, authors, educators, educators, aspiring men and women who are doing great things in the black community, whose stories need to be told and heard. That's you. I talk about generational wealth creation, buying black, educating black youth, mentorship, relationships, and much, much more. Join us on Apple Podcast, Apple Spotify, Spotify, Radio Public, Radio Public Google, Podcast, Google Podcast, and a host of other streaming platforms. I drop new and exciting episodes every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in. You just might hear someone that you know. You might hear some very, very great information. God bless. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast with your host, Mr. Black Ovation. It is a time for another episode. Um, you know, typically, again, I usually release episodes on Wednesday and I have a very delightful guest and distinguished guest for you guys today. I'm not going to belabor too much uh, of the opening because I really want to dive right into it. Time is of the essence and I can assure you guys that who you're about to listen to has some very, very inf- uh, uh, great information for you and uh, some great resources. And uh, she, she, she's a wonderful uh, human being. And as you'll find out, so um, I'm going to bring on to our show, uh, Miss Dr. Kimya in Dennis. Welcome, uh, Dr. Dennis. Thank you so much. And you can go ahead and call me Kimya Nuru Dennis. So take that middle initial and put my full Swahili middle name, Nuru. There we go. I like it. Yes, ma'am. You got it. Um, so Thank you. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I know a lot of hosts like to introduce the guests and stuff like that, which typically is something that I do. But I'm, I'm always of the mindset that most people can talk about themselves better than anybody else. So what I'm going to do is actually give you the floor and give a little bit of a, a history or backdrop of what you do. And then we'll get into some more, um, you know, some questions and stuff like that. And we'll talk about your work and your website. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I'm Dr. Kimya Nubru Dennis. I am an African black woman with a disability, born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, the second capital of the Confederacy. I'm an activist, sociologist, and criminologist, educator and researcher, and the founder of 365 Diversity. So the work I do includes medical and health work, training and teaching medical and health students, medical and health professionals, addressing suicide, and I also do work to dismantle police departments in some capacity to the focus increasing preventive measures in our communities. And uh, there's so much that goes into me. You can find a lot of this on my website, but I created a crime academic program. So I operated that program for nine years for college. And some of my students are now police officers. And with the health work I do, I specialize in underserved populations, Primarily African black people, but all of our people who are underserved and underrepresented, including black LGBTQIA, 
Indigenous, non-white Hispanic, non-white Latinx, Latin A and Latin O, and Asian diaspora. So the work that I do is beyond theory, beyond concepts. I don't care how much people have been reading, because if you don't know how to apply it in real life, it doesn't mean anything to me. And I don't trust people's ideas. And when they say we passed a bill, we passed a law, that means nothing because bills and laws can be not applied, right? So that's the work I do. It's the challenging work. I'm not the only person who does it. Our people have done this for centuries. Unfortunately, we've been lynched for doing it. And too many black folk have helped white people lynch us. So I challenge all of that. Like, don't support me behind the scenes. If you can't say the white people in their face, don't contact me behind the scenes to take me to lunch. Yes, ma'am. So you guys heard that, right? Um, <laughs> it's like, it's, so, and, and that's why I wanted you to actually introduce yourself because it, I, I, I couldn't have done that any kind of grace whatsoever, uh, to be totally honest, because when I read your um, bio and your resume, I was like, wow, it's like, where do I start? You know what I mean? Even in your introduction, it's like, again, where do I, where do I begin? Because you do so much, um, so much work and so many different things to try to help out black people and in our community so again it's like where do you start i do mm-hmm. have one question though um mm-hmm. you said you developed uh something in the uh criminal field and you do have mm-hmm. uh students that and correct me if i'm wrong but you do have students that graduated to become police officers do you still have connection with them in any kind of any kind of way and have they uh to one degree implemented that you know what you taught them in their training or in their um, tenure as police? So uh, I'm no longer a full-time professor, but when I was a professor, a full-time professor, I created the crime academic program and I helped for 10 years, I helped police do recruitment for students and particularly black and brown students, women students. And uh, the students, I told them, because I don't believe in a such thing as good cops, so I told them, you're a good person now, but the moment you become police, that's we going to have to distinguish that. Uh, so some of the students thought they could incorporate some of the things I taught in their work. And I explained to them, I said, well, you know, a lot of cops have a background in criminal justice. Like when I got my master's in criminal justice, we had a, a black cop in the class. The problem is when you think you're going to incorporate some stuff at the job, you will end up behind the desk. To keep your job as a cop, you gotta comply with all the bad that's happening. And so my students who still keep in touch with me, they know if they calling me to complain about the popo, I'ma tell them you gotta have a career change. Cause if you don't, then you're just one of them. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I can I can dig it. All right. So um Again, thank you for coming on the, sh- uh, the show. Uh, thank you for lending um, you know, your contribution to the show. So I, I got a couple of questions for you. <clears throat> Pardon me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about diversity and inclusion for a minute. Um, diversity and inclusion. What, what, what does it actually mean in a literal sense? And what, what does it mean? Um, you know what I mean what, what what does that really look like for black people to be totally honest because I see that word those words thrown around quite a bit actually I'm in a particular field of work that they throw it around heavily right mm-hmm. and and when you kind of hear it I hear a whole host of things it's like you, you, you're really not saying anything it's really surface level and some of the things yeah. they bring up they bring up right away is they, they talk more about diversity and inclusion with women and um um uh, LGBT 
then people of color. And, and it's in that order. Sometimes it's women and then people of color. Or it's white normally, women. So when right. they say women, they're talking about white women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. So it's always women, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. LGBT. And if the LGBT, LGBT is not there, then it's women and then people of color. White women. When you say women, it's white women. So I just want to always clarify that. White women are not the universally applicable group of women. So, yeah. So first of all, don't say people of color or any acronym containing of color around me because I am not anyone's of color. I'm not a colored folk. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking about my people, I say African black. I, I rarely say black American or African American because I'm not patriotic and I don't have to specify that I come from slavery. Um, and, uh, and I specify that because over the years I've done many trainings and presentations where I'm specifically talking about African black people and the people in the audience including some African black people say yeah those of us of color and I'm like so you gonna just minimize everything I said and try to lump all of these billions of people for tens of thousands of years together just like white people did when they created race categories so I don't allow that um, so I just want to clarify that so we talk about diversity inclusion equity and justice those are catchwords. When you go to the top of my website, I say get out of those catchwords because when I and I did the same thing when I was still a full time professor. Whenever people try to throw words at me, I would say, "Tell me what this means." And they didn't know how to explain it, and then they wanted to recite white people's dictionaries. And I said, "I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me what this means because you keep using that dang on words." And so, when I created Three Sixty Five Diversity, it was kind of tongue in cheek years ago. This was still when I lived in North Carolina. Because I was trying to be open-minded. I was attending all these quote-unquote diversity trainings, all this nonsense stuff, like implicit bias training, that's all nonsense. But I, I sat there, I listened. And when I created my business, there's a reason one of my logo, my mottos is not your typical diversity training. So it's called 365 Diversity to change how people define diversity. Uh, a lot of these trainings, they steal from centuries of indigenous and black knowledge. Black sociologists, I'm a sociologist, so black sociologists have done this work for over a century. And you'll oftentimes attend these trainings and these trainings are going based on dictionary definitions of things. I'm like, despite the fact that we have all this wonderful work that black sociologists have done, you all chose the lazy route of copying and pasting from web dictionary definitions. And that just reiterates that a lot of people, when they're talking about diversity, inclusion, and equity, they're talking about keeping the power majorities comfortable. Power majorities, that's white people as it pertains to race, although anti-blackness, anti-Asian, and so forth exist all around the world. The racial power majority remains white people. And power majority that pertains to gender, that's men, and particularly cisgender people. So cisgender means biological sex connecting with gender identity. So like me, I'm a cisgender woman, which means I'm biological female. And I was a girl and I'm a woman now. And so when I say diversity, inclusion, and equity, I'm saying that we have a bunch of people together, perhaps, but the power majority is not sitting around comfortable, happy, and in power. So like schools, for example, when I do work with schools and they say, we are a diverse place. And I look at their stuff and it's basically a bunch of white people writing stuff 
and white people publishing stuff in the library still with white people and then they'll say well we have native american heritage month and i'm like okay you have a native american heritage month on stolen land right and most of this stuff is written and published by white people still and not even white indigenous people that's not diversity that's not inclusion that's not equity so i talk about diversity inclusion and equity in a very uncomfortable way and i enact it in a very uncomfortable way when people add me on committees and board of directors and stuff i let them know i'm not going to be the silent negro i'm not going to come in here and make white people feel like having me here means you can put my name on stuff that's just a disguised version of white supremacy which includes you know white liberals white progressives and white democrats like i know all of the disguises our people have known it for centuries so i don't play disguises with people so diversity inclusion and equity is uncomfortable whenever people pretend that it's peaceful and happy they are reenacting the coca-cola commercial i like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony that was such a cute commercial when we were yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, it but, was. But in retrospect, it was a very white hippie commercial. Very white hippie yes, commercial, right? Yes, I agree. So for African black people, the work that I do, I'm pan-African pro-black. But just as my sweatshirt says, if your pro-blackness is homophobic, transphobic, patriarchal, misogynist, sexist, and ableist and so forth, it's not pro-blackness. So for our people, my work to include equity and justice for our people includes all of our people. So this is where I oftentimes conflict with a lot of other black folks and particularly black men claiming to be pan-African pro-black. And it's usually the new version of Hotep, not the original Hotep, but the new version in which they pretend that uh, same-sex attraction, different genders were created by white people. And I said, see, you're brainwashed by the school system and you found another book and now you think you're a genius, despite the fact that we have tens of thousands of years on the continent of Africa with various forms of sexuality, various gender identities. We have matriarchal societies, patriarchal societies. We have a true blend. And there are thousands of religions that came from that background. So I just tell our people that we can't support ourselves and each other if we have a narrow view of what that means. And the narrow view can be traditional religions and all sorts of stuff that's used to force us to all look the same way, behave the same way. Got it. That's got not it. diversity, inclusion, and equity. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Totally got it. I, I do. You know what? From what you just said, I would like to invite you back to have a singular or specific discussion on um the different uh, what you just stated about you know about the 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 um the, the you know the different religions and the different um uh forms of sexuality and stuff like that that you said actually came from africa it, 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 am i saying that right the, oh that was in africa should i say well continent of africa so the full span of cultures for tens of thousands of years a lot of times you have black folk who will pretend that men have had a household is some kind of natural thing, which, you know, it's not the case, uh, cultures around the world. So I always tell people you can agree with something without pretending that that's the real thing that our people come from in okay. every culture around the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. A- absolutely. So yeah, like, like I say, I would love to have you back to, to talk about a, 
a new documentary that came out uh, that I do have a copy of. It, it, it was um, it was um, it's called Buck Breaking. Right. And they, okay. they give a lot of historical context about, you know, where that came from and the power structure, you know, stuff like that. You know, so I would love to have mm-hmm. you come, come back and or, or if you haven't seen it yet, you know, um, maybe uh, you can you know get a copy of it or something like that or. Uh, that way you mm-hmm. have a little bit of information you know before we come back and actually have that discussion on that uh, but okay I do wholeheartedly agree with you about you know um, a lot of the sociologists the black sociologists that did a lot of the work already and uh, and you know have the white power structure come in and they kind of co-op everything that the black sociologists already did and you know interject themselves or put themselves as the power dynamic or the power structure in that uh, in those spaces so it's like you're really not getting the diversity or inclusion that you're really looking for. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on all of that, which is mm-hmm. which is to me problematic. And every time I hear, you know, the conversation that I'm in, I kind of push back and challenge them on on what that really means. Because to me, I don't I don't really see the diversity or the inclusion that they talk about. Right. I, I never see it. So it's it, it's it's mm-hmm. all it's all fake to me. It's it's really fake to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like I always explain when I do trainings and also put on social media at least once a week to remind black folk that we have almost no place in the world where it can just be about us protecting each other, supporting each other. Even many Pan-African pro-black places are driven, controlled by white liberals and white progressives. So it's difficult. Like when I show up to places whether I have an afro or my locks now, I'm showing up thinking that this is our people and we're not going to be in here apologizing. We're not going to be in here wiping white people's tears, including our white friends and white colleagues. Because I tell people to be white in my life, you have to understand that we're not doing that. Just like I'm cisgender heterosexual, so my LGBTQIA friends, including black folks, they are very harsh because they're like, look, here, you got that power. So we ain't going to help you with nothing as it pertains to your discomfort. So the same thing applies when we're talking about race. It's very difficult to find a black space because even in black religious spaces, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, it's very much like, well, God said, be loving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And we don't need to be told to be loving. We've been shoot i mean we've been we've had centuries of uprising so not all of us were peacefully enslaved but we have centuries of having to be loving to the white people who are raping and murdering and controlling us for 401 years and so i always tell people do not misinterpret what dr wb Du Bois said about double consciousness double consciousness when you talk about wearing the different masks masks in different spaces he wasn't telling you to be a token sellout you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the power majorities, white people as it pertains to race, white people who really are doing the work to address white dominance, white terrorism, racial disparities in schools, medical facilities, police, and all of that, they are ones who do not consider themselves saviors. They do not need to be called allies. And I tell them, I don't believe in such things as white allies. And only the white people are really doing this work are the ones who stick around. Because so many white liberals over the years, the moment I refuse to give them an ally button, they will run around crying. And then they create an anonymous social media account to stop me. And I'm like, you're doing centuries of white people. 
which is why I tell white people when they come into the door, be ready for an environment that's not thanking you. Be ready for an environment that's holding you accountable and not allowing you to just sit around smiling. Right, right. So I always tell people to watch the Don Lynn documentary. The Don Lynn documentary is about indigenous cultures being raped, stolen, murdered. And there's a scene where the white people are helping the indigenous group. The white people are just standing there and the indigenous group wants to sit with each other and have a conversation without the white people there. So they just turn around and say, we see y'all, but y'all can go now. And the white people leave. And I tell people, black folk, we are one of the few underserved racial and ethnic groups around the world who has been told for centuries that we have to always thank the oppressor. Yes, 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 yes. Yep, yep. That is correct. You know, and that's interesting, too, because you, you really you really segued right into my next question about allyship. Um, I, you know, I was just I was just back thinking because. You know, I get in these spaces again and, and, and a lot of the conversations I end up having is that, you know, you got a lot of people running around talking about we need numbers. We need people to get on board with our with our process and we need all of these different forms of allyship in order to, you know, affect some type of change. And I'm like, that's stupid. That's stupid. Why would you do that? And we don't even have a grasp or a grip on the foundation that we should have for our own self and our own spaces to be able to do what we need to do as a, as a, as, a, as a collective, as a people. Why why are you always introducing or bringing people on board that pretty much already know what they're going to do? They know they know themselves. They know all of that stuff, right? Which means in turn they're mm-hmm. going to pretty much end up taking over that whole uh, movement, you know. And it's just strange to mm-hmm. me that 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 we just we just continuously allow that. So my question to you on that would be. Do you think black people should end up starting to devise some type of litmus test or some type of scheme or something like that to determine whether or not if a person should be even introduced or allowed to be somewhat of an ally? Well, I don't believe in a such thing as ally as pertains to power majority. So I want everybody to just get rid of that word and stop giving white people ally awards and just stop because that's, uh, yeah, I just want that to end completely. So we have four centuries of already doing that. We already have centuries as African black people of having criteria. The problem is that we're told by white people and by other black people to loosen our criteria. You know, like this idea of having deal breakers and then being told your deal breakers are unrealistic. That we just got to get what we can get. And that happens when people yell at us about voting, particularly voting Democrat, when people yell at us about supporting politicians, particularly Democrat and especially black politicians, as though there's such thing as a good politician. It's the centuries of the same thing that people, they're very condescending to black people because it's based on this falsehood that we don't come from thousands of years of knowledge, intellectualism, sciences, mathematics, history. Right. There are literally black people who believe that white people rescued us from a continent of wars. And uh, now, of course, all humans have fought each other, harmed each other around the world. That's just part of humanity, unfortunately. But there's people who think that white people rescued us and that Europeans rescued us, who, of course, became considered white. And so... When we talk about creating standards as a people, that's something that we've done for centuries. We have more than a century of this work being done. We have black people who created 
templates to give the police departments and schools to say this is how you should be doing things. And the work that we present usually for free is put in basements, collecting dust, molding. And people keep saying, well, y'all don't give us suggestions. We have given you suggestions, you know. So when people say should black people have a standard, we have had a standard. It's just that we're always talked down from our standard. People, despite, you know, centuries of medical health racism, people will yell at us about vaccines without having conversations about vaccinations. Like, that's what I specialize in. Don't you dare yell at my people about voting and getting vaccinations if you are incapable of looking us eye to eye and having a discussion. And I tell black medical professionals this too. If you cannot converse with us and you're using white people's standard that you were taught in medical school and throughout your career, then stay away from us. I only associate with people who understand how to have conversations with us. Black people have standards. Whenever people say black people are bare minimum and expectations, it's because those of us for centuries who had criteria and standards, we were talked down to. We were told that we don't understand the end goal. We were told that we don't have the knowledge and education to have demands. We were lynched. We were imprisoned. We were beaten. We were raped, right? Right. So it's not that we don't have standards is that oftentimes we've been told that we lack the criteria to really develop knowledgeable standards. And again, that's based on people thinking that we were alien life forms in transatlantic slavery and that we did not know knowledge or anything until we landed on the Western Hemisphere. And that's what they're teaching in schools, that we were just a bunch of idiots until white people brought us here and introduced us to white Anglo-Saxon Protestantism and white people's books and knowledge that was stolen by white people from thousands of years around the world. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. So, 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 you know, so at one point I'm hearing that even on those standards, you, you still, not only do you have something to talk down to us, uh, you know, like what you just stated, you still have a lot of us that are not firmly rooted in our decisions to stand mm-hmm. on those foundations to say, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. You know, some just capitulate right. and, and, and pretty much say, okay, just forget it to hell with it. You know, we, we got to do what we have to do in order to, you know, to exist in this space. And, and, and again, right. that's still weird to me as well. You know, it's like, I don't even bother having conversations with a lot of white folks. I, that, it, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's beyond me now because I firmly understand that, you know, institutional racism and white supremacy and things like that is non-emotional. They don't really care about what you're really saying. You know, it's, it's, it's more or less that, you know, we have to formulate some type of, some type of an action plan and be more strategic, mm-hmm. be more strategic in how we implement those plans. And, you know, for the most part, you know, this kumbaya type of mentality, uh, a lot of black folks don't understand how that's actually tanking our efforts you know uh they really don't they really don't get it you know but i but i guess it's you know we're in a society where it's a lot of hyper individualism and i'm just gonna get what i can get out of the thing you know and i can really care less about anybody else you know as long as i get what i get and i can be put in the in 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 the face of my people as some type of trophy or you know what have you to say yes if you keep you know doing this you'll be able to make it and, and whatnot so uh yeah that's 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 very interesting and to clarify, it's not even based on kumbaya because the original African kumbaya was not about allowing ourselves to be oppressed and 
harmed and victimized. It was about that progress and peace through unity for our people. And so uh, a lot of times we say kumbaya in reference to uniting with white people and true yeah, pretending and that's what not I mean. to know the stuff. Yeah. So, um, but that's not the original, of course, African, just like the new hoteps are not the original hotel um, that was not based on, you know, what a lot of people make hotel about now. And so, so when we're talking about unifying to for a larger cause, it doesn't mean we're all going to agree, but I always tell people my unity is not just about ignoring some disagreements. It's about I refuse to ignore injustices within our African black culture. So, for example, if the African black culture is is condoning the murder and abuse of of LGBTQ, which, as you know, is very prevalent in Jamaica and a lot of reggae music, reggae artists have been banned and particularly European parts of the world, not African parts of the world for homophobic lyrics. I tell people that's the kind of thing that we should not have to ignore for a larger cause because you know we can't really have justice and freedom as a people if within house we're being abused raped and murdered and we can look at that in terms of domestic violence in african black families around the world that often goes silent because we're told to support our men support support the women who are abusive just support everybody right and so so these are things that we have to not just have a discussion about because we've actually had these discussions for years we actually have entire books and and trainings about this instead it's about now holding ourselves and each other accountable which as i tell black folk every day holding ourselves and each other accountable is gonna mean that some people are no longer on your your phone list some people are blocked now right. from your life that's that's true and that's fine you know um and so I, I tell that just as we talk about justice for our people, but also when we're talking about aligning with non-Black people who claim that they want to increase racial justice, I always explain that racial justice, racial injustices are always going to exist as long as humans exist. Just like sexism, homophobia, classism, all these things are going to exist because that's just what humans always do. So we can only do our part while we are alive and doing some work. Never pretend that things are going to go away. And that's what politicians want you to think because they want you to vote for them for the next election. But Biden, Trump, whoever it is, whether they write a bill, whatever it is, it's really just on paper. If they enact a little tiny thing, they're not following up to see if it's actually making changes. Why? Because they are accustomed to black folk just being happy that white people are smiling at us. Right. So they have no reason to, to do anything. So I always just highlight that it's okay for us to have demands. It's okay for us to be unapologetic in our demands. It's okay for us to not align with any political party. It's okay for us to do all these things. Whenever someone tells you that it's not okay, that's a different, that's a new form of enslavement where people act like they can really tell us what to do and you know, we have to care what they say. You, you, you know, real quick, I, I mean, I pretty much know the answer, but I just want to hear from you. Why is, why do you think it's so difficult for us to be able to have that, th that type of thought process? You know, it's okay not to align yourself with a, any, you know, political affiliate, you know, uh, organization and stuff like that. Why do you think it's, why do you think it's so difficult? Well, I think a lot of our people have that thought process. It's just that we, well, humans in general just love categories. So if you don't fit in the category, you're like panicking. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't fit in anywhere. 
And so for Black folk in particular, I think a lot of our people understand that, but it's just like when people align with religious institutions, even if they don't like the bishop or the pastor or, you know, the people who are saying what they're saying, they feel like this is just part of our culture. There are some Black folk who think the Democratic Party is part of our culture. (laughs) Uh, They still got posters of the Obamas you know, Jimmy Carter and them. And I mean, those of us who don't comply with that, like I don't comply with that, they get mad at us. And I just tell people, my life is not based on whether you're smiling at me or frowning at me, because my life is for a larger cause, larger purpose. Like a lot of them will be mad at us. And then the moment we say something that gets celebrated on social media, they're like, that's right, Dr. Dennis. I'm like, go ahead, get out my face, because you was mad at me last week. So go ahead, be consistent. So like I tell black folk, black folk who are helping the establishment to oppress us, I tell them, I'm not going to try to harm you, but don't try to harm me. Don't try to do nothing behind the scenes to abuse me, to to ruin my career, to ruin my personal life. Do not try to help white people terrorize me, stalk me, harm me. I'm not going to come for you. Just disappear and go away. I don't force black folks to comply with my standards. Just disappear. That's what I just, that's my demand. If you don't want to go with this, don't be one of those black folks who be at dinner with the white supremacists. Talking about, yeah, let's get the scheme. Like Samuel Jackson's character in Django and Chain. Oh, yeah. I tell black folks, there's more than two categories. You don't have to be compliant or a, a sellout. You can choose the other option, which is be apathetic and disappear. And that's what I want more black folks to do. If you if you're claiming that you got to comply with the oppressor to keep your job and pay your bills, do that. But don't come up in this space. Sit on the sideline. Sit on the sidelines and do your thing. But don't sit on the sidelines helping the oppressor to the point where now you're being a spectator to our abuses. And then when abuses come knocking on your door, then you want us to protest for you after all these years you don't help. Right. And so. um, So, yeah, so there's there's so much that goes into this. What I always show people is a PBS documentary called A Dangerous Business. It's about the McQueen Corporation. It's a corporation that was making tons of money from people's lives. Like the workers were dying. And there was a white man who had worked there for over 25 years. He never missed a day of work. And he just was making money while the other workers were dying. He was a manager. And then finally he needed to take a day off because he got sick. And guess what the McQueen Corporation did? They threatened to fire him. And he was like, you're doing to me what I watched you do to other people for 25 years. And I tell people, that's how it always is. The oppressor will always come for you. Don't ever think that the oppressor will be like, oh, you a good Negro. Just like the Jews who helped Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Those Nazis, and um, they eventually was like, okay, ain't you Jewish too? They always come for you. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and sadly, a lot of us don't believe that. Um, mm-hmm. They don't believe it till the knocks on the door, and then they want us to rescue them. I tell people, I don't have the time in my life to rescue people who helped me get harmed for years. So. I like that. I'm gonna definitely start using that. <laughs> I just Listen, don't. I mean, I don't. This is where is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, one, right. uh, one, um, one last question. This is kind of a little bit. Um, off of you know some of what we were talking about to a degree um but mm-hmm. i saw on your site that you were included in a uh, article that was written on um a, a public a publication and it was in reference to the uh george floyd trial and you mentioned something about mm-hmm. Derek chauvin 
Um, mm-hmm. I believe if I have it here, says something about you. You showed hesitation, which a lot of us did, you know, during that during that time mm-hmm. frame and many other cases that came before that one. Uh, showed a hesitation in uh, a trust of full guilt. Um, Dag Chauvin mm-hmm. was charged, and mm-hmm. um, with that. Um, what what do you think what do you think what 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 do you think brought about them charging him and what does that kind of mean for black folks going forward because you know some of us totally believe in the justice system we totally believe in the justice system we felt like that was a huge win for us because he you know he got convicted uh i do see now that his lawyer is contesting contesting that and it wants to wants to do something in terms of having another trial to try to get him out and stuff like that now i don't i don't believe in the uh-huh. justice system whatsoever I, I just don't so it could all be smoke and mirrors uh stuff like oh, that so is. so exactly so, uh-huh. so what are your thoughts on that yeah so just a reminder that is the Derek chauvin trial and not the george floyd trial so a lot of times people say george floyd trial george floyd was murdered and chauvin was the one who was being held accountable for that and the other officers are also being held accountable. So I don't celebrate that because, I mean, I'm a criminologist with a background in criminal justice, but we don't have to celebrate when the justice system does what it's supposed to do. Like that's centuries of black folk being told to just be grateful for the bare minimum from white people. So I don't ever, I don't celebrate when something turns out the way it should go. Cause I just nod my head be like, okay, that's what's up. That's what you did. Cause you should have. However, I don't believe that any of this would have happened if it was not a large representation of white people across political parties and Agreed. across voting patterns Agreed. who were outraged. If it was really the traditional Black folk being mad, yelling into the wind about justice, it'd have been the same as always. And I mean, so I'm I'm just not impressed by America. Uh, I'm not impressed by. I'm just not impressed. I don't like people say. Aren't you thankful for thankful for what? Like we, you keep showing videos of us being murdered, which are akin to the posters and the postcards that white people created of us being lynched and there's children smiling eating watermelons beside our dead bodies but you keep showing george floyd being killed just like they're showing that the young black girl being shot by the police who uh was in the military and learn how to shoot. So mm-hmm. I don't support military uh, for most things either because we are a military state and a police state and uh, state being United States of America and Canada. And so um, I'm not grateful. I'm not thankful. I am just like, we'll just see the end result for Floyd's family. So I don't appreciate the health, the medical system for doing what should not have been done in the first place. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm thank I'm not a thankful Negro and I'm proudly not so. Dr. Kimmy. Um mm-hmm. again I thank you so much for being on the show. And uh is there any parting words, anything else that you think that we should we should know in terms of um, you know, what we should be doing as as black people. Um anything else about you know current projects that you're working on any, or anything like that? Well, um, so I'm getting back into doing community work for Black Health. So during COVID, I was doing 
trainings and work virtually. I'm not a fan of virtual stuff. So I'm getting back into that. But one thing I just want to close with is a lot of your listeners heard something that really made them angry and dislikeful of me. And I'm so cool with that. And let me tell you why. Because you will ruin your whole entire life living based on what makes someone happy or sad at any given moment. Mm -hmm. Someone can agree with you yesterday and today they hate you. So don't ever waste your time in that, especially black women. But moreover, black folk are experts at punishing each other more than they hold white people accountable. Uh, that's totally. So I'm going to tell the black. Yes. Yeah. So the black folk who are listening to this and you disagree with something I said and you now feel some type of way and you're not just going to keep it to yourself. Now you're going to share it. And you're going to research me. And you're going to just get the whole test and all of them coming at me. Just keep in mind, you don't do that for white people. So you're a token Negro and I'm just letting it be as it is. Okay, you heard it here. Uh, but but again, this is one of the reasons why I open up this space. I know there's going to be some difficult conversations and maybe some people that a lot of people don't agree with or maybe even don't like. You know, I invite them to come on the platform platform because I want them mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, have that safe space where they can say exactly what they wanted to say and and things like mm -hmm. that. I don't I don't think we should close, you know, readily close. Not unless it's just completely and utterly uh, toxic and something that is harmful. You know, then no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not for that. But uh, for anybody that just has maybe a, a difference of opinion, you know, based on whatever factual information that they have or or whatever the case may be. Yes, you're welcome to come on my show. I don't I don't I don't turn down voices, uh, especially when it, it's in our community uh, that is about the upliftment of our community, because I think that's in, in my in my mind, that's that's not, that's first and foremost, black people, you know, being able to be completely free uh unhindered you know and you know being a, being able to make progress um that that's that's really what i'm about that's that's really all this all, all this platform is 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 um online to do but but again um any any anything additional anything else yep yes i'm not just talking about black voices i'm talking about black actions when black folk act in a way to harm other black yeah, folks right in a way that they don't do to hold white people accountable. I agree. So I, agree. I exist in a space in which a lot of people disagree with my words because a lot of people have a groundwork that's not completely factual based on the knowledge of thousands of years of our people in the first place. So they have a certain standard that they use and anything different than that, they don't know what to do. And a lot of times they act out in aggression and they say that they're holding their people accountable, but when you say, well, now let's hold white people accountable, then they have excuses. So I just want black folks to be consistent. I got it. Just be consistent. I got it. Totally agree. And more than, more than likely, I'll probably get some feedback on this episode myself, but hey, the, well, hell, good. the hell with mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? Uh, well, there's plenty of stuff to read. They can, you know, they can go beyond what I said and actually read some stuff. Um, if you're a fan of anything that I criticize, that's fine too. Just learn beyond your fanship. There's plenty of information beyond what you support. Got it. Definitely. So this has been the All Things Black Podcast, another episode um, under the belt. You have been listening to Dr. Kimya Nuru. Kimya. Kimya, I'm sorry. Uh huh. Nuru. You're good. Dennis. And you can find her on uh, 365diversity.com is the website, correct? Correct. You got thank it. You. Absolutely. And um, so, again, thank the listeners for listening to another episode. And um, 
hey stay tuned i'm gonna have this sister come back on we're gonna have another you know discussion and um you know like i said man there's, there's so much that can be um you know talked about in these different on these different platforms and stuff like that so uh thank you guys again for listening and this is uh been another episode Thank you.